Good afternoon, just about. Um, so my name is Selena, as Graham said. It's lovely to be here with you. Um, to close this theme you've been having on the good news. Um, I grew up hearing a lot about the good news. So I grew up in a Christian family. Um, my parents, called Mark and Millicent, were both brought up in Christian families. Um, and so their primary goal, really, when we were young, was to help us to understand and to grow in faith. So we would speak a lot about what it meant to be a Christian growing up. Um, and our church, which was a really great Pentecostal church, told us a lot about what the good news was. And when I was younger, my, my main thought was the good news was mainly about um, doing as well as I could in the present life so that when I died, I would get to go to heaven. Um, and maybe while we were here, we might be able to bring, like, share the good news to bring some people with us. But the focus was all about once we've died, where we're going to go. And that's what the good news was about. Um, and so as I grew older, this, did, this became less and less appealing to me as a young person who felt like I had my whole life ahead of me. Um, and when I got to about 18, I went through a time of really asking myself, is this really all that church is about? Is church just about, and being a Christian and being a disciple of Jesus, just about having a good service on a Sunday? Is it about perfecting the worship music? having great pastries as much as we need and appreciate those, and good coffee? Um, is it about having a really lively youth group? Or is there something else to be said about the good news of Jesus? And so once I finished university, I spent some time studying theology for a little bit. I was mainly because I wanted to wrestle with my faith and understand what it was really about and understand what the good news of Jesus really had to say to the world. Because I was convinced there had to be more to it than just that. And while I was studying, I began to realize that Jesus was really interested in good news being for everyone and for the whole of creation. That the message of the gospel, the message of the good news, is that Jesus is interested in everything being made new and everything flourishing. And this became something I thought excited me because I grew up in Birmingham in an inner city area where I never ever felt deprived, but I guess people would call it deprived. I never really felt that growing up. Um, and so we had loads of challenges around unemployment and poverty and people were struggling but genuinely okay and I really wanted to understand what the good news was for where I grew up what was the good news of Jesus for the families on my road who were struggling to make ends meet what was the good news for us as young people trying to make our way in the world um, and so part of my discovery of, of really being a Christian has been to understand what good news really means for the people on the edges, the people who don't have it all, the problem for whom, people for whom life is a difficulty and a struggle. And so this passage I'm going to use today um, is about flourishing. It's about us finding eternal life. Psalm chapter 1 is something that I've always, um, that's always resonated with me. Uh, and I think the Bible is really good because it helps us to have pictures to illustrate important spiritual truths. And Jesus is great at doing this. Whenever he's preaching in the Gospels, he's always using stories. He's always choosing like parables um, and just everyday life stories to teach us deep spiritual truths. So he might use the image of a farmer scattering seed to teach us about how we should understand the Bible and the scriptures. He might use images of bread and yeast to talk about what the kingdom is like. Just everyday things that you know about, he uses them to illustrate deeper spiritual truths. Um, and in the Old Testament, we have similar models of this in the Psalms. We have images used to communicate to us deep truths that we may not understand if, he, if they're trying to explain them in normal language. 
And so this Psalm chapter 1 we're going to look at today is all about how we can find a life that is flourishing and fruitful and healthy. And I'm going to read the first three verses again, just because that's where I'm going to focus the talk today. So it says, Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he or she meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he or she does prospers. And verse 3 of this verse, of this reading, gives us the picture. It's like the crux, the center point of this chapter. is this picture of a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that bears fruit in season and its leaves are always green and everything prospers. This is the center point of this chapter. And the first two verses are telling us how we get to being like that tree. So it's painting a picture of this is what you're aiming for, everyone. You're aiming to be like this tree, and this is how you're going to get there. And it gives us two things to think about. The first thing is about the relationships that we have in life. It's about seeking out positive relationships. So it tells us about keeping away from the wicked, and not standing in the way of sinners, not sitting around with mockers. It's telling us we have to be careful about the people that we spend all of our time with, that we have positive people influencing our lives. And we can't always control the people that are around us. Some of us have family members that drive us up the wall. And some family members are even harmful to us with the words that they say and the way they treat us. I'm lucky my sister's here. Our family is genuinely okay. We don't have that problem. And we're genuinely okay. Although every now and then we argue about little things. Um, but whatever family has its challenges, families have challenges. I had a big argument with my dad, Father's Day weekend, perfect timing. Um, we had to have a firm, a firm conversation about our relationship, which was necessary, and now we've moved on, but these things happen. Um, we can't always control conflict in our close relationships. Some of us in our work environment have, have challenges with our boss, or with our colleagues. Some of us, our children drive us crazy. We don't know what to do with them. Some of us, our spouse drives us crazy. We don't know what to do with them. And we, we're wrestling always with, with people around us who are not exactly what we want them to be. And we can't always get rid of people like that because part of life is learning, learning to work through difficult relationships. But there's some relationships that are toxic for us and we can do something about and some of those relationships, I think, is what the scripture is trying to help us to see. If we're going to have a fruitful life, if we're going to be like that tree that's fruitful, we're going to have to pay attention to the people that are close to us. The second thing it talks to us about is about meditating on the word day and night, delighting in the law of the Lord and meditating day and night. And this speaks to us about nurturing our faith. It speaks to us about paying attention to how much time we're spending developing our faith on our Christian life and our spiritual life. And we have to be honest about the fact that if we looked at the, the portion of the week and how we spend our time, we may be a little bit concerned about how much time we spend nurturing our spiritual lives. We might spend a lot of time nurturing our physical, our physical bodies. I love eating food. I spend a lot of time eating, and it's necessary to do that, to be healthy and alive. 
Um, I also love my friends. I spend a lot of time with my friends, also necessary. Laughter is medicine, the Bible says, so I'm all about laughing with my friends. Um, But we also need to think about how our spiritual life is, how our faith is doing, and how much we're spending time developing our spiritual life. Um, when we come to church like this and we sit with, with other believers and we talk about our lives, we're nurturing our faith. When we have coffee with a friend and we talk about how life is going and we allow them to encourage us, we're nurturing our faith. If we listen to podcasts or we listen to sermons online or on the radio or on TV, we're, we're nurturing our faith and these are important, crucial things because most of the time we're hearing messages that are the opposite of what the Bible says about us or about life. We're having messages that are telling us how we need to look to be accepted, how we need to behave, how much money we need to have in order for people to like us, what kind of life plan we should have, when we should have achieved A, B and C. And it's easy to be overwhelmed. It's very easy to be overwhelmed. When I was 18, um, one of my friends, who was a, a very driven person, told me to write a life plan. And they said, you're 18 now, Selena. It's time for you to plan your life. So you need to sit down and decide what are your goals for the next 10 years. And I was like, and I genuinely thought, I'm going to take this on board because I'm someone who likes to take a good counsel. I thought, I'm going to take this on board. So I sat on my desk in my room and I got out my notepad. I got a good pen because I feel like when you do something like this, you should have a good pen and a good piece of paper that feels really nice. And I sat there looking out the window and I thought, okay, I'm 18 now, 10 years time. Where do I want to be? Um, and I kind of just kept on drawing blanks, if I'm honest. I thought, I'd kind of like to go to uni and finish uni. And that's about all I know. I don't really know anything beyond that. And I felt so anxious because I thought, well, if I'm going to achieve anything, I have to have a plan. I have to strategize and be able to present this and get people to encourage me. And I need to strategize to make this all happen. Um, and I look back now and I think, if I had written a plan for the next 10 years of my life, which actually would have already finished because I'm now 29, it would have been so boring. (laughs) It would not have been in any way interesting. My imagination of what I was capable of was not at all what I've actually got managed to do. Um, And it taught me a lesson about trusting God has a much better imagination than we do about our own lives. Like we have our own sense of limitations and our own sense of what we can do. And if I had written a plan for Selena's life, it would have been very, very mundane and probably would not have involved living in another country or doing an MA or starting a PhD or moving to London. None of that would have been in a plan that I had written. But by giving God room to speak into that, actually, life has become a lot more interesting. So nurturing faith is an important part of the journey that we're living, as well as thinking about our relationships. So let's go back to this tree, this image that we have, and let's think about what the other specifics are of this tree. So the first thing is that it's planted by streams of water. This is a very good thing for a tree to be. If you were a tree and you had to choose where you lived, living by streams of water is a pretty good place to live. It's like living in a really good part of town where you've got really good coffee shops, really good food, a good supermarket, and a gym. It's like the perfect place for you to live. It's got everything you need. The tube station's just across the way. It's the perfect tree location for you if you're a tree. Right by the streams of water where all the nutrients, everything you need are flowing right there. Your roots can go down deep and suck all the water in and give life to the whole tree. It's a perfect place to be. 
And I think what this is trying to help us understand is that when we position ourselves, by, when we nurture our faith, and we position ourselves around good people in community, we are actually putting ourselves in the place to get everything that we need to live a life of faith. When we have good friends we can call on and we have a good community to belong to and we're spending time nurturing our spiritual life, we're basically putting ourselves by a stream. We're allowing ourselves to get all the nutrients that we need for life so that whether times are good or whether times are difficult, we're in the right place. And if we're rooted in the right place, we can't go far wrong if we have those right ingredients. The second thing is that the tree gives fruit in its season. And this is something that is really, really interesting when you think about the way that our lives are so interconnected with other people's. The flourishing that we do and the way that our lives become fruitful, is, it's good for us, but it's so much better for the people around us. Think about if you are walking past a tree. I remember when I lived in Spain and there were orange trees just along the normal road and people would just pick an orange off the tree on, on their way to work. Um, and for me, this was I was like, who owns that tree? Who do we buy the orange from? Because somebody must own that tree. And they were just like, oh no, they just grow and you can just take them. Um, and the fact that this, this tree was fruitful was beneficial to me because I was like, oh, I like these orange, oranges from um, Spain. They taste very different to the English oranges. Um, and it was amazing. Well, the oranges we get in England, they were amazing. And it, that fruitfulness of that tree was a blessing to people walking past. Now, if that tree had had no oranges, I would have not got the benefit of that fruit. I would have gone to uni without one of my five a day but because that tree was fruitful, I, had, I could gain benefit from it. So our own flourishing and our own spiritual growth is something that benefits the people that are around us. Our families and our friends and our community gain something when we have got our lives in a place of fruitfulness. The third thing is that its leaves are always green. Now, this is not a common thing. Most trees, it's very normal for them, for their leaves to die. It's part of just the life cycle of trees. Apart from if you're evergreen and then you're always green. Um, but it's normal for trees to lose their leaves. But the scriptures here are saying, actually, when you're rooted in the right place, your leaves are always green. Even when it's, when it's winter and it's autumn and you should be wilting, your leaves are not going to wilt because you're, you're, you're positioned in the right place. And there's something in this about our consistency and our faithfulness. As we, as we position ourselves in community and we allow our faith to grow we develop an ability to be consistent in faith even when times are hard even when our faith is tested we're not giving up actually because we've been slowly nurturing our faith in the good times so that when it's winter we're still able to have green leaves and the final thing is about prosperity that this person who becomes like this tree begins to prosper in whatever they do and that doesn't mean sometimes what we think it means. When I was younger, um, we used to have guest preachers come to our home church, which was Pentecostal, and would preach about Jesus being really rich, and prosperity was basically that you were going to have a lot of money in the bank. And I thought this was quite seductive, being from a working-class background, and thinking I could quite like a bit of that Jesus with the money. But as I grew older, I realized this wasn't actually the kind of prosperity that Jesus was promising me in the scriptures, that it was actually a much better kind of prosperity, that while money lasts maybe while you're alive, you can't take it with you when you die. The prosperity that Jesus offers us is an eternal prosperity that transcends banks and shares and interest. And actually, this flourishing that we're hearing about with this tree 
is a flourishing that is eternal. It's a life-giving. It doesn't need, you don't need to have any fear with this flourishing. You don't have to worry about, is somebody going to steal this away from me? It's, it's given of God to you and you get to keep it. So this tree that we hear about now is giving us an image of what life can be like. Um, and this for me is good news. The good news is actually that when we give our lives over to God and we live for him, we are giving our lives over to somebody who's going to give us a real life back. You know, Jesus talks about this in the New Testament where he says, if you try to hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give it up for my sake, you're going to find it. When he promises us that he's here not to, not to punish us and to condemn us, but to give us life abundantly, he's indicating that actually the life I want to give you is something that is going to transcend anything you've ever known. It's something more wonderful than you've ever known. If you trust enough to take that step of faith and let go of what you think you want, you will actually discover a kind of life that you didn't even know was possible. And in our lives, we have to make these choices. I remember when I was finishing university, after I'd failed to do my 10-year plan, and, and I got to the end of what I did know I wanted, which was to finish uni, and then had to decide, well, what next? And, and I had decided at that point I was going to just make loads of money and live abroad. And, um, and so I'd kind of gone to the careers fairs at university and written lots of applications and got rejections back from all of them, which was very unusual for me. Um, not to sound too prideful, but it was unusual. And, um, and I had to then figure out, well, then what is it that I need to be doing? Because this door that I'm trying to push is just not opening. And I decided to take some time to pray about what I should do, which, which I, I would do if I had to do it again. I would do it. Um, I was going to say I wouldn't do it if I could do it again, but I did. And, um, and God was really leading me to spend some time just studying theology and wrestling with my faith. Uh, and I really didn't want to go because I didn't want to become a church leader. And I'd seen it like growing up and it looked very boring you know it wasn't like this church where you do really interesting things it was very much centered on the Sunday and I kind of felt like when I've done the worship team I've done the preaching I've done the youth group is basically I'm just going to do this until I'm 100 and then die if I'm lucky to live to 100 Uh, and I kind of thought there must be something more to this Christian thing than this and so I did go to theology to study theology for a couple of years at the end of that and It completely transformed my idea of what God, when the gospel was. It taught me that actually Jesus was interested in the whole of creation being redeemed. He was interested in life being renewed in society, being renewed in community, being refreshed. It wasn't just about when we die, what happens to us. It was about right now in the present. Jesus wanted to help us grow and flourish as human beings. Um, So I feel like I had a conversion at Bible college where actually began to better understand what Jesus was here to do and what the gospel was about. Um, And so we have a chance in our own lives to take hold of this flourishing, to make the kinds of decisions about the people that are around us and the place we choose to be that is going to help us to flourish. We have the choice every day, even if we have only 10 minutes to spend, to read a scripture and think about it in our hearts, to give ourselves the chance to nurture spiritually. We have the opportunity in our friendship groups, in our families, to position ourselves around people that are positive and are affirming, and to be those people that are positive in other people's lives, to be those people that encourage, to be those people that give off good fruit for the people around us that are needing it. So I want to leave you with those thoughts, and I'd like to pray if that's okay. Um, just as we hold that in our hearts. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that we can fully trust your heart and your thoughts towards us. 
that we never have to worry about your motives or your agenda because you are purely love itself. And I thank you for every person that is here, for the circumstances that they're coming from, for the life that they're living and the joys and the challenges that they're facing at the moment. I pray for all the young people and the children that are in their groups as well, that you know each of us by name, you know everything that we are facing, you know everything that is happening in our lives, and you are a very present help in times of trouble, that we can fully trust in you and fully rely on you. And I pray that for each of us that is dealing with challenging circumstances, that you would help us to know that your desire for us is that we flourish, that our leaves will be green even when the season feels like winter. Your desire for us is that we are fruitful, that we are nurturing others as well as being nurtured ourselves, that you desire for us to be provided for, like those streams of water flowing past the tree. And I pray for your protection over each one of us in our lives, in our own circumstances. I pray that you would bring healing and peace to our hearts and to our minds, to our relationships. That you would give us everything that we need to live a life of joy and peace and flourishing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Selena. Um, let's stand. Selena has already prayed for us, but I'm going to invite us to um, spend another moment in quiet, and um, Sarah's going to lead us.